fails to deliver will lose, provided his opposing counsel makes sure the jurors know they have been cheated. You can't hope to cheat a jury. Jurors are too smart. What you promise, you have to deliver. I am much more of a critic of the American trial-by-tort system than Gary, especially on the subject of how its malpractice and products liability plaintiffs bar and class action craziness are crippling many of the professions and raising the costs of everything we make and sell and every service we provide in America. But I do defer to him on how juries work and how jurors think, and I agree with him on the obvious importance of keeping the promises you make and of never trying to trick a jury. Voters are jurors of a unique sort. They don't have to serve, and they can choose to watch as much or as little of the presentation of the facts as they desire. Voters come in all shapes, colors, and income levels. They cannot be disqualified except in rare circumstances, usually involving recounts, such as Florida's vote in the 2000 presidential election, the 2006 Minnesota contest for the United States Senate seat held by Norman Coleman but wrestled away by Al Franken, and the 2008 Alaska Senate contest, which saw incumbent Lisa Murkowski use a write-in campaign to defeat Tea Party favorite Joe Miller. Most elections aren't close, and that is a very good thing, because if it's not close, The Democrats Can't Cheat, which happens to have been the title of my 2004 New York Times bestseller on the presidential race of that year. Two years later, I wrote Painting the Map Red. On the first page, I predicted electoral disaster for the GOP, a gloomy assessment that prompted the wonderful Stephen Colbert to tear out the offending page on air and castigate me for defeatism. But not even Colbert enthusiasm could save the Republicans that year because of the facts. One year after that, in 2007, I returned with a book on Mitt Romney, the likely GOP nominee in 2012, but who also sought the job in 2008. I argued in that book that John McCain should not be the nominee. The Arizona senator and war hero was a great American, but a terrible senator and a lousy Republican. These were the facts about McCain. They could not be changed. They weren't, and he lost. Each of these three books, somewhat prescient in their predictions, assessed elections in an era where the facts that existed were facts about how Republicans had been doing in office. Republicans from President George W. Bush to Vice President Dick Cheney to Secretaries Colin Powell and Condoleezza Rice at State, Donald Rumsfeld and Robert Gates at Defense. Denny Hestert as Speaker, and both Trent Lott and Bill Frist as Senate Majority Leader, had made promises about which facts could be collected and assessed. Senator McCain made promises of his own, including the readiness of Sarah Palin to be president, and the utility of suspending his campaign during the financial crisis of that awful fall in 2008. The crushing defeats delivered the Republicans in 2006 and 2008 meant the biggest jury of them all had ruled conclusively on the promises they all made. Promises they hadn't kept. President Obama began making promises in wintry Iowa in 2007. The biggest of them all was the promise of hope and change. The most absurd of all his promises was that the moment of the election would be the moment that the seas ceased their rise. The most important of all his promises was that he would revive a moribund economy and keep the rate of unemployment below 8%.
This last promise has been in breach since February 2008 and has remained there for more than 30 months, each month of unemployment above 8% being a fact about a promise broken. Many books have already been written about President Obama and about his record. Some, like Jonathan Alter's The Promise, have mounted a vigorous defense of the president's plans and actions. Others, like Stanley Kurtz's Radical-in-Chief and Dinesh D'Souza's The Roots of Obama's Rage, have been investigations into the president's deeply embedded Alinskyite ideology and psychological makeup. Still others, like David Fredoso's Gangster Government, are full-throated policy critiques of various aspects of the most radical president in American history. This is a book about facts. A book about facts written by a longtime lawyer and law professor, as well as a broadcast journalist with...